Hi everyone, welcome to another edition of the Svarim Chatter Podcast. In this episode of the podcast, I'm going to be joined by Professor Yochanan Petrosky-Stern, who is the Crown Family Professor of Jewish Studies and a Professor of Jewish History in the History Department at Northwestern University, and um, is also a, a native of Ukraine and has written books about the Jews of Ukraine, uh, I one here, The Golden Age of the Shtetl, A New History of Jewish Life in East Europe, um, another book uh, as well that's called... Um, Jews and Ukrainians, a millennium of coexistence, and and a number of others. And we'll obviously be talking about the history of the Jews in Ukraine and the Jews in Ukraine in the current situation, obviously the terrible situation in Ukraine. So uh, thank you, Professor Petrovsky-Stern, for joining me. Uh, Nahi, thank you very much uh, to uh, to pick me up. Okay, so first of all, I, I mentioned a little bit, just give the listeners a little bit about your background. Uh, I'm raised and born in Ukraine. Um, I'm born to a Russian-speaking family um, in Kiev. Um, I got my... Uh, one PhD from Moscow University, another PhD from Brandeis University, and um, I was um, uh, teaching um, comparative literature uh, back then at Kiev University in Kiev in Ukraine, and now I am in in Chicago. I am uh, constantly in Ukraine. Uh, I am an honorary doctor at, at, at a major Ukrainian university, and I teach at Ukraine for last, I would say, nine years uh, on a regular basis. That is to say, I have access to uh, Jewish communities in major towns. Um, I talk to people, uh, and I teach students who are interested in different aspects of Jewish studies. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about just to give a little bit of the historical background of the Jewish community in Ukraine. And obviously, we'll get to the current community and the situation. So, first of all, just the origins of Jews in Ukraine. This goes back a very long time for people those who may not know. So, just briefly touch on that. Um, as um, any origin of a big and variated community. Uh, the origin of Ukrainian Jews is uh, variegated and diverse. Uh, there were um, Jews uh, who were coming uh, with the um, uh, Byzantium migration northward, and they came to uh, the uh, Crimean Peninsula already in 8th, 9th century. Uh, uh, there were Karaites, uh, not really Jewish, but we need to mention them, who settled um, also in the southern part of Crimea um, in the 9th, 10th century. Um, uh, there were uh, some converted Khazar uh, who are more myth than anything else, but we do have um, uh, Jews of Khazarian origin in Kiev in the 10th century, and there are documentary evidences to that. Um, uh, but of course, if we talk about Jews who are today in Ukraine, the uh, let's say um, 99% of the community, uh, these are the people who came uh, with a um, eastward migration of Jews from Rhinelands, uh, from the uh, Arzot Ashkenaz, as they are called, um, uh, mostly from Bohemia and Moravia, who settled in Ukraine, in what today is Ukraine, in the 11th, 12th century, um, and who um, really came to uh, live permanently in the uh, 13th century when Polish kings invited Jews to settle and to be their uh, um, uh, colonizers in the very much depopulated lands after the Mongol invasion into uh, the Kiev and Rus. So the Ashkenazi community the Yiddish-speaking Ashkenazi community, uh, the values of which are based on uh, very much um, Hasidic Ashkenaz, and the community that reports and talks to Hasidic Ashkenaz in the 13th, 14th century. Uh, this is the community that gave rise to uh, the Jews that are um, today living there and who are descendants of, uh, of those uh, Ashkenazi Jews who came 700 years ago. So I want to get to some other parts of Ukrainian Jewish history, but you did just mention, we should mention here already, so the current Jewish community in Ukraine is mainly descended from those? Correct. 
Of course, there are Jews who, who migrated. There are, um, uh, you know, because of the uh, calamities um, uh, before and after the collapse of the communist, un- uh, of the communist Soviet Union, uh, there were Bukharan Jews, uh, Jews from Samarkand and Bukhara who, who moved to Ukraine. Um, as well, they moved to Moscow or to Russia. Uh, there were Jews from uh, 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 Cuba, which is um, a kind of uh, shtetl in the mountains, um, um, uh, um, the so-called mountain Jews, Edota uh, Mizrach, who came to um, uh, settle um, in Ukraine, also as the result of uh, uh, the wars in the Caucasus. Um, uh, there were Polish Jews who were resettled, um, but uh, basically we are talking, by and large, about Ashkenazi community. This Ashkenazi community can be uh, uh, misnagdish, can be uh, Hasidish of, of different versions. You have Bels Hasidim in the, in the West. You have uh, Sedagra Hasidim in the, uh, in the Southwest, uh, uh, Bratzlover Hasidim um, uh, in the uh, uh, Southeast, and uh, mostly different types of Chernobyl dynasty, the Tverskis, uh, in the center. But there are many, many others. There are dozens of others. Um, uh, those Hasidim came back to Ukraine after 1991 uh, when uh, the Soviet Union collapsed, and uh, many religious leaders came to Ukraine to start the communities anew, and they were attracting, they were doing kiruv of the um, uh, very much um, atheistic-minded or kind of uh, um, traditional-minded Jews who forgot everything about what they knew, but they could have been attracted, and they were attracted um, for the sake of building of the new communities. And you have quite a number of uh, significant communities uh, with the entire infrastructure um, in uh, uh, Chernovitz, uh, Lviv, uh, Zhitomer, uh, Kiev, um, uh, Kharkiv, um, uh, Odessa, and of course Dnieper-Petrovsk. Uh, these are just major centers, and some of them, uh, if I start telling you just about this centers will be mind-blowing if I tell you that in Dnipro, uh, which was, you know, the former Dnieper-Petrovsk, the Katyanoslav town, infamous for its uh, 1881 pogrom, uh, you have today uh, a major um, uh, Jewish center of, uh, uh, of, of, I would say, 18 floors uh, built as a menorah, as a skyscraper in the form of menorah. Um, and um, everybody from Central and East Europe sends their kids uh, to uh, the shivas at that center. And it is uh, headed by uh, Rabbi Kamenetsky, who started things from scratch. And, and now he has the entire Jewish empire Empire there. Uh, that is really mind blowing. I spend time teaching at, at Nipro on, on a regular basis, uh, uh, probably uh, at least once a year. Uh, so I'm very close with this community as well as with some others. So um, uh, Ukraine has um, uh, scattered pockets of uh, significant Jewish presence. Uh, of course, most Jews in Ukraine are uh, disaffiliated. They are not considering themselves uh, connected to any kind of synagogue or uh, religious life, but they do like to get parcels uh, for Passover um, on um, uh, on the eve of Passover, and they eat their non-kosher chicken broth with uh, with matzah that they dip there. So uh, that that is that is the reality that we are dealing with. Okay, so I want to do get, want to get more to the current Jewish community, but I just want to pull back for a second, especially you mentioned the pogroms, and there's been a number of, obviously, infamous anti-Semitic incidents in Ukraine throughout the centuries. Uh, the Takhvatat, Bogdan Khmelnytsky, and, and those that in... in um, uh, 1648-49, and that I will refer the listeners back to uh, an episode I did with that Professor Adam Teller and his excellent book about that. Um, we can mention that there's obviously, there's been you mentioned there's programs and blood libels and obviously the Holocaust as well and what happened there. So I don't know if there's anything you want to just briefly mention about any of those episodes or uh, anything. Yeah, I, I'm, I, what I will say, um, um, I would... Um, uh, Turn, uh, turn us to, to a bigger question. Uh, you know, there is a bigger question to address. Uh, kind of uh, 
framework, pattern of reference. Uh, when we talk uh, about Germans who are the perpetrators um, of, uh, um, of the Holocaust and who are the masterminders of, of, of Holocaust, everybody knows that. This is not something that we can debate about. Uh, uh, but um, everybody is comfortable with Germans. But when we talk about Ukrainians, uh, whose uh, role uh, in uh, massacring Jews um, in uh, the Second World War as the people, let me make sure you understand, as, as you know, uh, Jews are the people and Ukrainians are the people. Oh, uh, the, the, when we talk about that, um, everybody is, uh, for the reason uh, unknown to me, uh, absolutely confident that all, all Ukrainians are anti-Semites. This is a stereotype, and it is wrong as any stereotype. Uh, so uh, um, the stereotype of uh, all Germans as Nazis or all Germans as normal after the Nazis, and the stereotype of all Ukrainians as anti-Semites just doesn't hold water. And I would like to invite you to think about what is going on um, uh, in Ukraine after 1991. Once Ukraine is no more controlled, or I would say um, uh, partially not controlled, or in most, uh, um, in, in, in the biggest sense of the world, not controlled by the imperial Russian Soviet narrative, you have Ukrainians embracing uh, Jewish issues. You have Ukrainian dissidents who are nationalists who are coming to celebrate to, to commemorate uh, the um, the massacred uh, Jews in the Babin Yar on the 29th of September 1941. So these dissidents are coming to join uh, the Jews who are illegally commemorating the um, uh, the, the, the victims in in the 1960s, right? Uh, challenging the Soviet narrative and and really stretching their hands to the Jews. So what are we talking? What do we know about Ukrainians? We know very little. And, and that is my point. Uh, we Jews know very little about who are Ukrainians, and we are clustering them as anti-Semites, and we do not want to hear anything about that. Open your eyes, folks. Okay? I'm Evin Yavin. Let's move on. Okay, and just to further that, does that, is that these interactions and relationships with Jews and Ukrainians throughout the centuries, is that your book, Jews and Ukrainians, A Millennium of Coexistence, that you co-author that's available through Toronto University Press, is that what it talks about? And do you, because I, I wasn't able to get a copy of the book. Correct. Um, so, so, so I'm basically uh, co-authoring the book uh, with uh, Paul Robert Magachi, who wrote 37 books uh, about different issues of European history uh, from the ancient times till today. Uh, for me, it's the seventh book, but it is the first book that we co-authored together, he and, and I. Uh, we are covering in this book uh, economics, uh, religion, um, art and theater, language, publications, uh, um, um, History from the ancient times, uh, from the beginning of the uh, first millennium uh, till nowadays, roughly to the Orange Revolution of, 19, of 2014, um, and, and also um, 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 the, the aspects uh, related to the history of nowadays. Uh, what is going on between Ukrainians and Jews after 1991, after 19, uh, 1914. So we are trying to bring it to the moment when the book is, is sent to the publisher. And it is um, the book written for the um, uh, general audience. Um, uh, it is um, It has the list of books uh, suggested for reading um, at the end of it, but it's you can read it as a set of essays that cover different aspects of Ukrainian Jewish interaction. And, and of course, we start with something that is very important. Stereotypes, Ukrainian stereotypes about the Jews, Jewish stereotypes about Ukrainians. And we show that these stereotypes really match one another. And uh, if we uh, built our narrative, our um, discussion of Ukrainian Jewish interaction and Ukrainian Jewish history, any part of it on the stereotypes, uh, you just read the stereotypes and close the book on page five. If you want to go beyond the stereotypes, 
go to page six, please, and start reading. So um, uh, this is something important that we are trying to present. Uh, if you take all the matters, all the periods of violence, of Ukrainians against Poles, of Ukrainians against Jews, of um, uh, Tatars against Jews and, and Ukrainians and Poles and Russians, of Russians against uh, 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 anybody, um, and many other groups fighting with other groups uh, during the civil war uh, of 1917-1920. You lump it all together, you will have probably 4% of 1,000 years of Ukrainian history and Ukrainian Jewish interaction. How about the other 96? Nobody wants to talk about this 96. So our book does not dismiss this four. We are trying to explain how this four shaped the stereotypes, had a long-lasting impact, but cannot dismiss the 96. And we are show, showing the 96 too, and that is the bulk of the book. So I believe I'm giving you an idea of what is in the book. I'm not giving you the, you know, the ideas of the book, but I'm just telling you how the book uh, was conceived and how it is built. Okay, and I'll link to the book to, in the show's notes that listeners can check out the book if they're interested in purchasing the book and checking out more. It's called the book. Uh, Paul Robert Magochi, Johann Petrovsky Stern, uh, Jews and Ukrainians and Millennium of Coexistence. I suggest uh, buying through University of Toronto P P Press, uh, available on Amazon, the second um, expanded and um, uh, corrected edition of the book, 2018. Okay. And another thing, once we're talking about anti-Semitism and, and, and stereotypes, uh, the president of Ukraine, I think everybody knows this at this point, Vladimir Zelensky, is Jewish. And so they, the Ukrainian people elected a known Jewish president now. Right. Let me, let me make sure that nobody makes uh, any kind of a mistake. Uh, for Ukrainians today, uh, you can be a Tatar, uh, a Georgian, a Russian, uh, a Jew. That really doesn't matter because you have... Um, a stake in the building of the post-colonial uh, anti-imperial Ukraine. And Ukrainians celebrate um, uh, anybody who is willing to help them do that. Um, uh, let me just uh, mention to you that President Zelensky is, is uh, married to a Ukrainian Christian girl. They had their kids baptized. He is 100% assimilated. Uh, he comes from um, a Jewish background. His parents are Russian-speaking uh, Homo Sovieticus. There is Homo Sovieticus is is a historical sociological concept uh, that conveys uh, the idea of people who are absolutely integrated into the Soviet milieu. They are engineers. Uh, uh, they uh, know that they are coming from a small town, from a small shtetl in in central Ukraine. But there is really um, uh, nothing that uh, clearly uh, manifests their uh, their Jewish um, uh, interest, except their uh, you know. Uh, 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 except the fact that in the Soviet passport, it was mentioned that they are Jewish on, on both sides and that Zelensky is also Jewish. But I would question uh, his uh, uh, Jewishness um, uh, from you and my point of view, right? He's halakhically Jewish, uh, but, but he's not interested in that. It's important for the Ukrainians um, in general that a, a person who is ready to help them build better Ukraine uh, would be welcome. And uh, two years ago, or before uh, three years ago, when Jess Zelensky was um, elected, Ukraine had not only the president who was Jewish, but also Vadim Groisman, who was uh, the uh, prime minister, who was also Jewish. So except Israel, you do not have any other country 
that has at the same time Jewish president, Jewish prime minister. And I would like to ask you, uh, you know, can we continue talking about Ukrainian anti-Semitism? Yeah, we can probably, but you know, that th- that is that is good enough to to show you what's going on. And and uh, you have Jews very active, very visible uh, on in municipal organs uh, as mayors of of, of of the cities, as uh, leading politicians, as uh, journalists uh, who are the most visible journalists, um, uh, poets, writers, um, uh, and uh, they are not acting just as Jews. They are integrated in a multicultural community. That is what is going on in Ukraine. Ukraine is not trying, as Mr. Putin, let him not be mentioned um, in the evening, is trying to convince us that Ukraine is a uh, uh, country of the Nazis uh, who are wiping out Russians and Jews and so on and so forth, and, and uh, they are celebrating uh, uh, the, the Nazi perpetrators. It's bullshit from the beginning to the end. You know, it's, it's the, when, when Putin starts talking, um, uh, I find lies in his commas and his, and, and, and his uh, dashes. So, so there, is, there is not a word which is true, but people listen to that and uh, uh, they hearken, and, and, and what do you do with that? Well, you have to read books, you have to uh, discuss things out loud, and, and you have to, to just to open a newspaper, or excuse me, a, a website, and see who is who in Ukraine today. What amount of Jews um, and, and people of Russian origin and people of uh, Crimean and Tatar origin are visible on political bombong of political horizon today in Ukraine. And, and just let's let's move, let's move on. Okay, perfect. So let's talk about the current the community now. You mentioned a couple of major centers. Where are the major uh, major and just Jewish communities right now? And something else that you didn't touch and maybe talk about, you did mention it was how did these communities change since the when the fall of the Soviet Union in, in, in 1991? How did things change since then? Uh, let me give you one example. Uh Kiev, uh, uh, 1989, uh, the community uh, is uh, mostly, you know, 56, the community connected to one synagogue, which is allowed to um, um, uh, to function. Um, uh, it is supervised uh, by the KGB. KGB has its stool pigeons uh, who are reporting every foreigner who comes to the synagogue to pray there or to bring books or to talk to people. Um, uh, the, commu- the community um, and the synagogue um, are situated next to the dorm of KGB. It's not a... Uh, um, a, 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 an exaggeration. Uh, so so uh, the KGB can observe what is going on in the synagogue and who is coming to the synagogue just from the from the windows of their dorm. Uh, and um, uh, uh, people who would who might be willing to express their Jewishness, who might be willing to be part of the community, do not go there because to go there means to to be uh, momentarily exposed to the um, uh, informers of KGB who who, who will who will uh, report you. Uh, so the community is uh, uh, dying out. The community is not active, and uh, of course, uh, people who are. Um, real Jews in the community, the moment the Soviet Union collapsed, they momentarily leave. The, uh, the Aliyah at the time is humongous. This, this wave of Aliyah of 1989-1994 is the biggest Aliyah uh, over the last uh, 100 years. So uh, this is this is what you have. And uh, I would not even mention the, the rabbi of the community because it's, it's, it's a non-entity. You know, we do not need to discuss uh, the person. 1990-1991, Rabbi Blach comes to Kiev. Um, uh, 1991, um, um, uh, Rabbi Bold, uh, from, also from current Stalin community, comes to Lviv. Um, uh, uh, Rabbi um, Glitzenstein comes to Chernovitz. Um, uh, uh, Rabbi um, 
Yeah, I said to Lviv. Mordechai Bald, Rebbe Mordechai Bald uh, goes to Lviv. Um, uh, um, uh, Rebbe Wilhelm um, uh, goes to Zhitomer. Uh, Rebbe Bakht, uh, the only uh, Ashkenazi literature rabbi, goes to uh, to Odessa. These people start building things from scratch. In two years, they have a canteen for the elderly. Uh, they have regular shiurim for adults. Uh, they have small, um, you know, start up yeshivot, uh, for uh, for Balei Tshuva, who are now really a dime a dozen people, come in hundreds to the synagogues to 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 find out what what this Yiddish guide is all about. Um, uh, they have Kibra Kadisha. Uh, that um, uh, takes care of the uh, Goshen Jewish uh, burial procedures, and they have uh, lots on uh, on the cemeteries that are uh, circumscribed by wall where Jews can be uh, buried in a proper way. Um, uh, they have um, uh, regular um, uh, parcels and, 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 and a huge uh, uh, financial um, uh, currents from the West that allow them to build up the communities. In another two years, you have local oligarchs who are coming to support these communities. Um, uh, for example, uh, one of the um, heads of the Ukrainian um, airlines um, is uh, uh, one of the key supporters of the community in Chernivitz. Uh, the uh, Kiev community, uh, well, we are talking about one community in 1990, but today you have one, two, three, four, five, six, at least seven active synagogues with uh, with a communal infrastructure, with people associated with them, and quite importantly, with no problem with the minion, right? So you, you go there, you do not have a problem with the minion. Uh, people will be there to, to, to dive in with you. So uh, that is something um, uh, extraordinarily important, right? So um, I'm not talking about uh, what is going on in Dnipro, because to talk about Dnipro is to talk about things uh, that are, uh, you know, bigger than uh, Kol Torah or Kol Yaakov in, um, uh, in Jerusalem, in, in Beit Fagan. Uh, you go to a synagogue uh, in, in Dnipro, to one of the synagogues, any time of the day, if you go to Rabbi Shnerson synagogue, uh, you will have there dozens, maybe hundreds of people who are sitting and learning. Uh, they have three minyanim in the morning, and each minyan has 80, 100 people. So this is, this is, this is just mind-blowing what you have. And I would say that it's mind-blowing from my perspective of 1991 because I saw how this pe- how these things were uh, were coming to life um, and built from scratch. But uh, uh, even more importantly, I would say this is part of the norm and normality. This is normality, and this is what we have in Ukraine. Uh, now, when I was in in Dnipro uh, three years ago, um, uh, I was invited uh, to speak to one of the um, uh, sponsors, Ukrainian sponsors of the synagogue. I was uh, um, who, who, whose whose mother is Jewish, but he is kind of absolutely Christian, and it doesn't matter. But he comes to the synagogue to celebrate things with Rabbi Kamenetsky, right? So um, I am sitting at the table with uh, people who are na- whose name I would not mention because you know these are multi-billionaires who are supporting the the, the community, and. Uh, yeah, they are normal people. They think yes, it's okay to support the synagogue and not just buy yachts for uh, for uh, for yourselves. So that is part of Jewish normality that that we can discuss. And again, I'm talking about significant communities in Dnipro, Kharkiv, Odessa, uh, Kiev, Zhitomir, Lviv, Chernivtsi. Um, uh, there is also. Uh, another uh, community which is mostly, uh, I would say, settlers. 
ליהנות תושבי קבע ותושבי ארעיה. So um, uh, uh, dozens, uh, hundreds, thousands of Hasidim uh, who have permanent presence in Uman, right? Uman is um, basically today an Israeli shtetl. Uh, all streets in the center of, of, of Uman uh, have uh, Hebrew inscriptions. Uh, you want to go to polyclinics, you want to go to Sophia Park, um, uh, you want to go to police, all, all, the, all, all, the, door, all, all the posts uh, have uh, the signs um, in, in Hebrew. And uh, in the calm, non-season period today, you have about 2,000 Jews permanently in Uman, right? And these are Moroccan Jews, these are Kippah Sruga, these are um, uh, all sorts of Balei um, Tshuva um, uh, from different parts of the world, people from Belgium, I saw there are people from, from, from Holland and from England and from the United States, and yes, there are some Bratzlover Hasidim, but I'm just saying that it became um, um, a center with dozens of uh, synagogues with dozens of kosher places. Uh, and uh, I don't know where Shita works as intensively, probably not even in Williamsburg, as it works in Uman, when you have 29,000 Jews coming for three days for Rosh Hashanah. And it is, it is just Shiga on. But that, 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 is, that is part of today's Ukraine. Of course, there are clashes with uh, local population. Yeah, you, when, when you bring, um, excuse me, um, uh, some people from Amcha uh, who are coming to have fun. Uh, and you know, there are such people and they, are, they do come to have fun. So when you ask why uh, they bring 96 Anshe uh, Mishtara, uh, uh, policemen from Israel to guard what is going on um, uh, at the time. Uh, and I saw that, you know, firsthand, I was in Uman 17 times and, and probably five times for Rosh Hashanah. I know that, you know, some people do not behave normally and 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 uh, uh, they like, uh, you know, enticing local populations. So if there are clashes, it's, it's also part of normality. I don't want to say that, you know, Ukrainian anti-Semites are coming to beat the Jews. You know, what do you have, uh, excuse me, um, uh, 20 Ukrainian uh, nationalists and, and, and 27, 29,000 Jews, you cannot really beat them. You know, it, it, it just don't make me laugh. It's, it's, it's quite a different story. But, uh, but it is well, it's part of normality. Some people, uh, some people like to have fun. Yeah, and we, so, we, uh, you know, I'm, we'll get to the question of how this, this conflict is affecting everyone here. I mean, obviously, Uman, Rosh Hashanah, it's Rosh Hashanah's way off, that's going to, I'm sure, this is an, an effect. But um, so so let's talk about that right now. I mean, the current community, I don't, I, you didn't give numbers on communities. I don't know if you want to just to give people an idea of how many, you only mentioned Uman, but also, uh, you know, the, the big question here, I mean, so how is this conflict affecting them? Of course, I mean, how, there's a war, but I mean, how is this uh, affecting them? Right. Let me let me start with this. Uh, uh, it's very difficult to count the Jews in Ukraine today, uh, especially given the numbers of uh, non-affiliated people. Um, uh, there are different numbers. Uh, Sukhnut counts according to Sukhnut, you know, potential Aliyah, and they are talking about more than one hundred fifty thousand. I think it's enormously uh, exaggerated figure. Other people give uh, you know uh, conservative numbers about seventy seventy five thousand. I would say that about ninety five. To ninety-eight thousand Jews, uh, you know, less than one hundred thousand Jews 
which is also a very significant figure in, in all of the Ukraine, uh, would be um, a conservative um, um, estimate. Um, I, I told you that most Jews live in uh, in uh, a bigger megapolis uh, and uh, in the biggest cities of, of Ukraine. Now, how the war uh, affects them? Um, I would not call what is going on the Ukrainian crisis. It's not a Ukrainian crisis, uh, for God's sake. Uh, uh, Russia uh, uh, decided to bring uh, the independent democratic uh, Ukraine under its aegis. Russia is an autocratic regime where the president hasn't been a change for 20 years. The president who controls all the media, who doesn't have any kind of opposition of any sort, political, financial, military, and and, and social, and who, who shuffled anybody who says anything against him, uh, killed people or uh, sent them abroad, you know, let them be there. Uh, so this is what, what autocratic Russian regime is today. And Russia is trying to uh, curb the Ukrainian uh, uh, drive for independence. Um, and uh, Russia is not really afraid. Putin is not really afraid of Ukraine being part of the uh, of NATO. Nobody wants to um, uh, discuss Ukraine join uh, NATO because Ukraine is not ready to join NATO. Putin says, this is what is going on. NATO will be tomorrow in Ukraine. Let's stop it. The real concern of Putin is that Ukraine is becoming a democratic, multicultural, liberal, Western European country. And that pisses him off. And he doesn't want that to happen. He wants Ukraine to be a satellite. That's why he uh, bases his uh, geopolitics on this nasty myth that Ukrainian language never existed, Ukrainian nation never existed, Ukrainians are just part of the Russian people, and let's embrace them. And he comes with his uh, um, uh, uh, cruise missiles, uh, with his uh, T-84, uh, which is the uh, most powerful Russian attacking tanks, uh, uh, with his um, uh, illusion of uh, uh, 76 um, uh, airplanes that transport uh, three, four, five um, uh, hundred uh, paratroopers. He comes with this to Ukraine to, uh, uh, you know, punish Ukrainian people uh, for being willing to be in Europe. So what happens today in Ukraine affects as much the Jews as much the non-Jews. So therefore, that particular aspect we have to take into consideration. We want to say yes, yes. You want to say you know the half deal. We want to say um, uh, you know mara mara pligi. You know and other things that that would tell us this is. Let's talk about the Jews and everybody else is uh, you know uh, is is for, uh, for, for 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 dessert. That would be a major mistake. Jews are affected today in the same way, and they react in the same way as Ukrainians. And I'll give you three examples. Um, uh, uh, let's say, uh, uh, let's start with people who are trying to flee the country. Ukrainians and Israelis, Ukrainian Jews, were warned several weeks and several months before get out of the country. There will be a major conflict. My mom is sleeping tonight in the basement, uh, which is uh, the, the bunker uh, bomb shelter of the school built in the times of Cold War. My mom is born in 1935. She saw the bombing of Kiev in June and early July 1941. She is 87 uh, years old, and she is sleeping in the basement now under the Russian bombing of Kiev, uh, under Russian shelling of, of, the, uh, of the buildings, uh, uh, kindergartens, uh, hospitals, um, um, uh, gas stations, and, and houses. So you, you can imagine what's going on. The same with my mother-in-law who is in uh, Lviv. So I am 
constantly on, in contact with them. So I have, in addition to my ability to uh, monitor things uh, through the uh, Polish, Belarusian, Russian, German, Ukrainian, uh, uh, and Israeli uh, uh, sites and sources of information, I also have grassroots information from the people who are in the shelters. So. Uh, uh, my mother-in-law is is 100% Ukrainian. Uh, my uh, uh, my um, I would not go into the story, but you know, let, you know, Bikitsur, right? Uh, my my mother is 100% Jewish. So Ukrainian lady and Jewish lady um, in their 60s and their 70s in their, their 80s have the same fate. Um, uh, they were warned that they have to leave the country, and they did not want to leave the country. Why? Because they love it. Because they want to be with their people. Because they 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 belong in. Number one. Number two. Um, uh, there are uh, Jews and non-Jews who are defending today Ukraine. Um, uh, there are uh, uh, different uh, types of people uh, who are standing in lines. You think they stand in lines to get sugar, to get bread, to get medicine? No. Today in Ukraine. There is no shortage with anything except one thing, weapons. They are getting AKM-74, uh, uh, they modernized um, uh, Kalashnikov uh, machine gun, and they are getting that for free from the state that understands that it is a people's war. It's very much like Israeli defense, right? Everybody wants to be in the army. Everybody wants to to beat the crap out of out of Russians uh, who are coming to, uh, uh, to to end up their independence. People stand very firm, and I have my friends who are um, from the Israeli yeshivas who are in the streets of Kiev defending Kiev. I have my friends who are 100% Ukrainians, who speak Ukrainian language, um, and, and who are there in the streets. And I have my uh, friends who are Russian Jews who are also doing um, the same, and they speak Russian language, but they are together with the first and the second group. So th that is something to, to, to take into consideration. You have uh, Jewish kids in the shelter um, uh, because uh, the city is bombed and, and surrounded by the Russian troops. You have Jewish kids next to them. So there is no particular difference. Okay, so I think that was two. You had a third, a third reason? Yeah, I, I, I wanted to give you uh, more examples, but, but think about example number one. Um, everybody says um, uh, two, three years ago, including me, Zelensky uh, is, is a showman. Zelensky is a standing comedian. He is no good, Nick. Um, uh, he, is, uh, he really is nishta here, nishta hin. Not for Russia, not, again, not for Ukraine. Uh, he's trying to uh, kiss up to Putin, um, and um, he's not really a leader of the country. Okay? So there is a very severe critique, uh, not unbased, uh, uh, not, not, not ungrounded, uh, of, of Zelensky uh, as a person. Okay? And I am also saying that, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm ashamed that the person who should have been, you know, much more proactive and much with a better vision should not also, should not only, uh, you know, bring his skills as a, as, as a showman uh, to his presidency, but also some other skills. And suddenly this person in 24 hours turns uh, uh, from, uh, uh, let's say, Sasha Baron Cohen into Ronald Reagan. You know, you do not see this kind of uh, of, of a transformation. It's impossible, right? So it's 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 beyond imagination. But that is exactly what happens. He puts on <clears throat> munition. He takes uh, he takes a gun. Uh, he is not leaving Kiev. Uh, 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 by, uh, President Biden calls him and says, "You know, Putin announced you 
the enemy number one of himself. And he is after you and after your family. And that has been announced on all Russian channels. He is after you. Let me take you out of Ukraine. What is the answer of President Zelensky? I need ammunition. I need weaponry. I don't need a, I don't, I don't need a ride. You know, that is the answer of a mensch. That is an answer of a very different uh, person. Um, uh, of course, he would like to stop the, uh, the, the, the battle. He called Putin four hours before Putin announced the war against Ukraine uh, to tell him uh, that, uh, you know, he's ready to talk. There was silence in response. And Zelensky was saying silence should have been on the on the on the uh, on the um, uh, separation line between Russian and Ukrainian troops not between you and me but Putin was silent right so um uh, it is very important to uh, uh, take into consideration that he is ready to be a peaceful person. He is ready to sign peaceful agreements to stop the bloodshed which is tremendous these days right because the second army in the world is going against the people who are armed with machine guns and cattail molotovs. And, and they are going against Russian missiles, tanks, uh, uh, um, armored vehicles, um, and uh, 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 cutting edge um, um, uh, measures uh, to suppress any kind of urban unrest. That is that is something very important, and Zelensky is leading these people. And everybody says we were critical about him, we did not like him. But what he does now, how he appears now, we are dealing with a different person. CNN called him. This is Spartacus of Ukraine today. That is probably very much true because he is he's really leading a nation. And I am proud that a person of Jewish descent, whoever he is, um, um, I was criticizing him for his half. Jerusalem. Now I'm praising him. Uh, so it is uh, it is an important change in, in, in assessment. But yes, I think that what he does now is, is extraordinary. And, he, and what? And he's Jewish, right? Um, and his wife is Ukrainian. Are they affected? Yes, they are. Okay, yes, you can answer. I was going to ask you that the, the question of just the broad question of why should we care? Are people, you know, in the United States here? And I think you, you answered that and you mentioned, you also mentioned that your, your mother, your mother-in-law, you have people there. So, I mean, obviously they're in, sleeping in shelters or they're clearly affected. It's affecting, like you said, Ukrainians and Jews and definitely a lot of the Jewish communities are, are affected being shelled. Um, so the question is that I think everyone's asking is that what can we do here? We're sitting here in New Jersey, in New York, you're in, in Illinois. What can we do to help? Before I answer this question, let me tell you why should we care? Because this is a very important question. Ukrainians there are defending the democracy and the democratic regimes in Europe. The point is that it is absolutely clear Putin would not stop in Ukraine. Putin would say, oh, Ukraine, that's wonderful. Now let's control the territory that... um, uh, the Soviet Union controlled um, in the times uh, of the Cold War. Putin is a person of the Cold War. He is comfortable in that environment. The first thing they asked him in 1999 when he was coming to power is, what is the greatest geopolitical tragedy of the 20th century? Do you know what he answered? Do you think the Holocaust? The Second World War? No. The collapse of the Soviet Union. That was his answer. And everybody laughed because everybody thought, oh, it's a good joke. The person came to, 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 to fix the problem. 
Okay, he wants to restore the Soviet Empire and the influence of the Soviet Empire on Poland, Bulgaria, Romania, Eastern Germany, Finland, and other countries. And he is doing that very effectively and very consistently. And Ukraine is the first country that says you would not succeed. And it is done. So Belarusians were trying to do that. They were basically uh, uh, swallowed. It was an anschluss of, of, of Belarus a couple of uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, Georgians were trying to do that. They lost one third of their territory. Kazakhs were trying to do that. The troops were removed from Russia to suppress them. Ukraine is doing that effectively. And uh, these people today, the Ukrainians today of different origin, of different ethnicity, are defending your um, and, and my values there. Okay, They are defending the values of the democratic world. That is something that we have to understand. Okay, The failure of Ukraine will be the failure of all of us, the failure of the European Union, the failure of the United Nations. Putin is threatening everybody. He is uncomfortable with the world situation, political situation. He wants to come with his geopolitics and tell as a bully what he's trying to do. And he is using his methods of a gangster and of a bully to do that. And he's also doing, uh, he's also blackmailing the West uh, by doing other things. So that is an important thing we have to keep into consideration. I believe I'm answering, you know, big question. Now, what we can do, I'm ready to uh, provide you with a list of websites. These are websites of the NGOs uh, that have representation in European or uh, countries or the United States. And these NGOs help children uh, who need shelter, uh, people uh, who need um, medical care, um, uh, people who need help um, and accommodation in the countries uh, to which they uh, they were trying to leave. There were 45,000 people who left Ukraine in, in last days. Um, um, uh, people in Ukraine uh, who who need clothes because they they lost their uh, their um, domiciles because of the of the shelling and of the uh, rocket strikes against uh, the um, uh, civilians. So I can give you the list and please uh, send it to your uh, listeners and uh, uh, you know whoever can give five dollars uh, or six dollars Hareza uh, Mishubach. You know that's 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 what I can say, and uh, uh, that will be uh, one thing to help. Another thing uh, is to um, contact the corresponding um, institutions, for example, the Congress, for example, your um, representatives um, uh, in the local government, and of course, President Biden. Ukraine needs the United States and NATO to close the air. You need kind of an Iron Dome that Ukraine doesn't have. Ukrainian troops are effective because they are very highly motivated, but you cannot send a person with a Kalashnikov to fight uh, the Russian jets. So Ukrainians ask President Biden, and I think it'll be wonderful if the, our listeners join uh, them in that request, close the sky. Close the sky from, from ballistic missiles that are hitting the houses, that are hidden kindergartens, that are hitting the hospitals. That needs to be done as soon as possible. Ukrainians will be able to withstand. And if they do, Nahi, you and I before Purim, we'll see either the assassination or impeachment of Putin. Every day, every second that Ukrainians are uh, um, uh, standing up to the Russian aggression increases the chances that we would not see the bully, uh, the, the gangster Putin um, at the head of the, uh, of the Russian empire. 
Now, what about uh, we can share those uh, the information we can put it in the show's notes? But what about the? Are there any specific uh, Jewish organizations that can help the Jewish people in Ukraine? Uh, I believe um, uh, I also can give you contacts uh, with uh, Rabbi Glissenstein uh, Rab, uh, in Chernivitz, uh in Chernivtsi, uh, with Rabbi Bald in in uh, Lviv, uh, with Rabbi Wilhelm uh, in Jitomer, uh, Rabbi. Um, uh, uh, Moskowitz in, in Kharkiv and uh, uh, Rabbi um, uh, Asman in Kiev and Rabbi Kamenetsky in Dnipro and Rabbi Bakshin in Odessa. I'm ready to give you uh, contacts with these people, ask them and transfer money through the rabbinic um, uh, authority because I think it's also an effective way to, to help the communities. Uh, the last thing I think, Nahi, um, we are dealing with the person who promised his people, I mean, Mr. Putin, to start the war, um, to contr- to help uh, the two uh, newly created uh, uh, puppets of Russia, uh, the rep- so-called republics of Luhansk and Donetsk in southeastern uh, Ukraine, uh, to be controlled by the Russian Federation or by the Russian troops. In fact, he started the genocide of the Ukrainian people. He went against the entire country, attacking the country from south, uh, north, and, um, and East. And it is very important for all of us to contact the um, international court in The Hague and bring Putin as a war criminal. Putin is a war criminal and who has to be tried uh, with his ilk in the criminal court in The Hague. Yeah, and 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 so so so, so first of all, uh, thank you uh, uh, for joining me to uh, explain this. I think it was very informative. I hope the listeners find it informative as well. Um, and and I hope obviously your 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 family clearly your mother your mother in law everyone stays safe and everyone is continually uh, davening for for the community there. And like, thank you, Bezrat Hashem. Yeah, Emir Hashem and, and Amen. People will put up the the links to I'll put up the links in the show's notes that people can check out the the links to various information. You'll hear to me and I'll put it in the show's notes that people can check that out. And uh, and then just to, to go back to the historical aspect of uh, Svarim Shatter, the books, like I said, you, I'll put the link to the, to your uh, your book and also the Golden Age Devil as well. People can check out and you have a number of other books as well. People just put in your name into Google or into uh, into uh, Amazon if they want to learn more about the history of Ukraine and Ukrainian Jewish relations. Thank you. Thank you, Nachim. Thank you for joining me. Absolutely. It's a pleasure.